Lent has started. Have you taken on something for Lent? Have you given up something for Lent? I heard about someone who gave up um, spreadsheets for Lent last year. They said it was excellent. Hey, come on. That's good, isn't it? So, yeah, have you given up? Comes from the uh, Latin for 40th, so 40 days, or the Old English for spring season. It's the first day of spring, St. David's Day. Any Welsh in the... Yeah, yeah. Well, bless you for next week when we beat you in the rugby. So... um, Happy St. David's Day. Happy beginning of Lent Day. Um, 40, lots of significance in the Bible. I'm sure many of, us, many of us know lots of times where 40, lots of numbers in the Bible have significance. We, uh, we think about Moses, 40 days on Mount Sinai back in Exodus. Elijah, 40 days walking uh, to Mount Horeb in, Horeb in uh, 1 Kings 19. Um, the Hebrews were 40 years in the wilderness as they were traveling, going around in circles, actually, weren't they, on their way to the promised land from, from slavery in Egypt. Jonah gave Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, 40 days to repent. And of course, Jesus. Two things with Jesus. Uh, some people think that Jesus was in the tomb. It, it spanned three days. But was it for about 40, 40 hours and 40 days in the wilderness. Many of us know that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, didn't he? And, and, and wilderness is a, a really rich biblical theme. It's a, it's, it's, it's a theme that comes up again and again and again. Uh, in the wilderness, God is constantly through our Bibles meeting with people. And uh, as Tim alluded to, our book for Lent that we're encouraging people to read is, is Let Me Go There. Maybe your life group is following it. There are copies on the uh, bookstore that you could take away today. And it's got daily readings as well as the notes which our life groups are using and the notes which we're using in our preaching series. So um, they're there. If you aren't already using something, if you haven't taken on something for Lent, can I encourage this book as, as something to think about? It picks up on this, this theme of wilderness and, and my title for today is Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Have you taken a walk on the wild side recently? Are you taking a walk on the wild side? Do you need to take a walk on the wild side? That's, that's the thing. Because we live in a world where we are overwhelmed aren't we, by stuff. I love this little post-it note uh, quote thing that's going up on the screens. My brain is like an internet browser. 17 tabs are open, nine of them are not responding, thousands of pop-ups, and where is that annoying music coming from? It's not hard in our culture to look around and see a general concern about the amounts of stuff that just fills us and overwhelms us. I'm old enough to remember sitting in the dark with candles when the, uh, the miners' strikes were on and, uh, and, then, and then soon after being told that we were going to head towards three-day weeks. 
And I remember all kinds of programs, Panorama and Nationwide, I'm that old, programs about what would we do with all the spare time that we had. Are you struggling with that? Are you struggling? Do you need to take a walk on the wild side? Does God want to send you on a walk in the wild side? Or maybe that's actually really where you are right now. Here's a quote from a guy called Scott Hubbard talking about stuff and its impact on us as Christians. So the world thinks about it, but here's this quote coming up on the screens. Thank you, Jonathan. Few things threaten our faith more than when a good gift of God, so we enjoy so much that's good, we have so many, many good blessings. When a good gift of God, beautiful and innocent in itself, slowly becomes necessary for our happiness. I'm just going to leave that on the screen a moment, just so we can invite God maybe to speak to us into, into this. Few things threaten our faith more than when a good gift of God, whatever that might be, beautiful and innocent in themselves, slowly become necessary for our happiness. We know that in the brokenness of this world, we know that in the reality of our lives, the impact of sin on us, the deceit, the deception of the evil one, of the devil, is to take good things and to twist them. There's distortion, deceit. And we get, we get numbed. I think one of the things that many of us who've been to Kenya notice is that there is a reliance on God that is brought about by the challenge of circumstance, of money, possessions, of lack of healthcare, of lack of education. I think we want to do stuff about that. Don't hear me wrongly, but what I notice is that in those circumstances, there's a reliance on God that I don't have so easily when I'm here in Cheltenham. I mean, two or three times on mission trips to Kenya, before that, two or three times to South Sudan with my last church. And every time I came towards the end of the trips, I said to God, I said, God, do not let me forget my reliance on you. The reliance that I have witnessed and experienced, I've enjoyed the, the strength of prayer that I've seen. I mean, boy, do you pray for someone for healing when there isn't medical care for them. You know, that changes the way you pray. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change his power. It doesn't change his desires. But it changes me. And how often have I said, God, do not let me forget about what it means to rely on you. And then just life. The tabs open in my brain and heart, the annoying music starts.
Are you, friends, am I reliant on God? Or does, does he need to teach us something over these next 40 days? By the way, you've still got 40 left between now and Easter. You know you do 46, don't you, if you include Sundays. So it's okay. There's still time to do 40 days, which is about the time you need to develop good habits. In this 40-day period, do you need to walk on the wild side? Do you need to go to the wilderness? Do you need to let God speak to you, to strip away some, some stuff and, and to take on? Because Lent for Christians is, is both. We, we give up things to, so that we will focus on God, so that God will have space in our lives. So we're just as likely and just as importantly to take on new things during this season of anticipation of Easter. These are the themes that uh, Paula Good is exploring. A guy called Augustine Stock said this, it is characteristic of God in scripture to lead chosen people into the isolation and barrenness of the wilderness or desert. It's one of the most basic patterns in biblical tradition and it is to be expected that it should appear again and again as the Lord's plan of salvation unfolded. I really want to be clear about this, if I may, what I'm about to say. I know that there are many people in this room who are in the wilderness right now through no sense of choice of yourself. You have found yourself in the wilderness. As well as those of us who feel like we're in land of plenty and God might need to be saying, Andrew, others, go to the wilderness. So if you're sitting there saying, Andrew, I'd like to have the choice. I just feel in the wilderness. God feels incredibly distant from me. I'm not even entirely certain whether I still believe in here. I know I'm sitting here. I know there's something that keeps even annoyingly calling me here. But if you'd like to give a sermon on wilderness, Andrew, I could give you a much better one than the one you're giving. I want to acknowledge that truth in this room. See, the wilderness in the Bible can be a place of enforced removal. It can be a place though also where you, you find yourself through circumstances. You can be forced into the wilderness in Scripture. I don't know if you've ever heard the term the dark night of the soul, St. John of the Cross, Really, any of us who've been on the road for a while as followers of Jesus will find that we have crises that come along. Sometimes it's a, a single big crisis, but actually equally it can be a series of things that, that, that build up. And we, we come to a place where perhaps language to describe it is the language of the wilderness, 
we feel cut off from God. I stood in a garden in Hertfordshire, swearing uh, as abusively as I could at God when I didn't think that we were going to be able to have children, naturally. And our best friends were producing babies like, you know... And I know they were trying to be helpful, but they would say things to Nikki like, oh yeah, you know, it was an accident, as if that made it feel better. I know they were trying to be helpful. But if you've been on this journey with Jesus, you will face wilderness times. You will come to points of crisis. You will have the dark night of the soul. And the thing is, and I know in a sense you might want to come up and gently punch me on the nose when I say this, those are the times often when we learn the most. Now I'm in difficult territory here because the nuance of does God send us or does God meet us in that place? Is it the circumstance that places you there? Often it can be sinfulness and brokenness that can take us into the wilderness. If your wife or your husband has left you and walked out on you, that can take you into a wilderness through absolutely no fault of your own. It's the brokenness of the world that meant that we had to use IVF to have children. I don't believe that God sent that to teach us a lesson. So look, friends, in a short amount of time, I haven't got time to do all the nuances of this. But I can tell you, for whatever reason, we find ourselves in the wilderness. For whatever reason, we may go through those times of the dark night of the soul The truth is that as Christians, these can be the times where we learn the most about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I say this quite regularly, I'm just going to say it again. If you are here hanging on by a thread, if actually for you right now, as it was once for Nikki and I, church is one of the hardest places to be, thank you for being here. You are the best of us. The quality of your faith is something to give thanks to the Lord for. You might wish it was bigger in quantity, but that's not the deal, is it? A guy called... uh, Peter Scazzero, I can never say his name, S-C-A-Z-Z-E-R-O, has written a a book about being emotionally healthy as a Christian. He says you can be a disciple of Jesus and know a lot about being a follower of Jesus, but are you emotionally healthy? Have you really engaged with your feelings? And when he talks about your feelings, have you really said to God how you feel? about the hard stuff, the bad stuff, the difficult stuff. He also says, have you dealt, have you dealt with your upbringing? Have you really engaged with your past, the, the patterns of behavior that you've been brought up? It's really good stuff. Emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy leader, and emotionally healthy church. Three great books. But he uses this graphic, if we can put it up, Jonathan, and talks about the the stages of faith. And I find it helpful. And you'll see this thing called the wall. And he says that in faith, in, in, in developing a mature faith, 
And I felt this morning before we, we were praying that God wanted to do something about breadth this morning in terms of embracing some people here to know that you are embraced by God. I also felt God saying, I want to do something about depth. He uses this as an illustration. Stage one in five faith is, is life-changing awareness. We, we make a commitment to God. We, we say yes to following Jesus. Then he using his language, talks about discipleship. There's, there's learning that happens. And then he talks about stage three, that out of that learning comes serving. There comes doing. But the problem is, often the doing actually obscures the being with God, doesn't it? Some of us are in wilderness places now. Some of us are in, I'm not really sure about you, God, places right now because we've done too much doing. And then we got cross with God because we were doing all this stuff and he didn't seem to show up when we most needed him. And then Peter Scazzaro, yeah, is that good enough, James? That'll do. It's like names in the Old Testament. Say them confidently. Peter Scazzaro, as he likes to say it. Talks about the wall. This dark night of this soul, this wilderness, this time where the simple old answers don't seem to do the job. And he says that every one of us seeking maturity as followers of Jesus, needs to go through the wall. Because beyond the wall is the journey inward, the, the journey into, into being with God. Everything's stripped away. All the tabs closed down. The noise silenced. Out of that journey inward comes then the journey outward, stage five, and into stage six, transformed into love. Paula Good in her book quotes, and I can't remember who she quotes, but she says, ships in a harbour are safe, but ships are not designed to stay in the harbour. It is natural to, she says, natural to want to avoid risk, natural to want to avoid danger. It's natural to want to avoid pain. It's natural to not want to be in the wilderness. That's natural. But if this Lent, for any and all of us, if we can find ways to embrace and to be real... And for those of us who are facing walls, to face those walls and go deeper within, to be vulnerable, to, to be honest about being broken, to be able to be honest with each other about how hard it is to have faith sometimes, to, to hold on, then that is the journey, that is the route to a depth of faith. And I know there's a hundred or more, several hundred in this room who could describe this. Because when we, uh, we read on, and I'm going to skip to, uh, to slide nine. When we read on Psalm 107, the, the, the wilderness in the Bible is, yes, a place of ambiguity, as Paul Aguda says. It's a place of, uh, of 
of difficulty and hardship, but it's also a place of encounter because God intervenes in the wilderness. That's the story of scripture. God intervenes. Slide nine, please, Jonathan. So Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south, to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Throughout scripture, people find themselves in the wilderness for all kinds of reasons. And God intervenes. The wilderness is the place of deepest encounters. Beginning of the New Testament, John the Baptist goes into the wilderness. He goes back to the beginning, to the River Jordan. He stands again with his back to the River Jordan and he sets forward on the new covenant. And he calls people to encounter God. Jesus goes into the wilderness, as I've said, and through Paula Gooder's book, and over the next weeks, we're going to explore this many more times. I just want to flag it for you. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, and the wilderness is where Jesus, his identity and his calling are firmly, firmly established. His identity and his calling If you have questions about your identity and your calling, it is actually in the wilderness that you will encounter God. And you may be there now, or you may realize you need to take a walk on the wild side. Four things that happen very quickly. My job today is just to tease and to set up and to excite and to cause us to want to pray and maybe read Paul Aguda's book and look forward to all that God's going to teach us over the next weeks. But here are just four things that I think I reflect on. And wilderness times, time for reflection, times to actually, actually look at my life. You know, when I stood in that garden, I was cross with God because I'd run out of all the things that Andrew Blythe could do. I'm quite an ingenious kind of person. I'm quite an organized kind of person. I have have resources that I can deploy. And I found a situation which none of those resources, none of my ingenuity, none of my strength was able to do anything about. And I was really cross with God. And it was from those places of deep reflection that God found me. And if I am able to offer anything in ministry now, these years later, it is right back to that point. Is there enough 
noise going on in your life at a low level, even Christian low-level noise, even Hillsong's worship played quietly on your Echo Amazon to stop you from actually really reflecting and listening to God. Second R, reality checking is a pretty obvious one. Reality checking. This takes, friends, I think the first one, by the way, just simply takes the setting aside of time, pretty obviously. Second one, I think, takes prayer and friends. Do you have good friends who can really tell you the truth? Reality check. Do you really pray to listen to God? Or do you just basically pray to God to give him good ideas of what he could do for you? Just like me, quite often. The wilderness, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever it looks like for us is a place of resolve. It's a place where we, when everything else is stripped away, we resolve, we commit. I think scripture the Bible is critical to that, that our, our resolutions, our commitments are Bible-based ones, not Andrew Blythe ones or whoever you are ones, but scriptural resolutions. The Bible, scripture is critical to wilderness growth. And when you come out of the wilderness, finally, do you come out with a reliance, a new reliance on God? And if you start to make the journey out, you start walking out pretending that you are now relying on God, he's very likely to take you straight back there. People of God spent 40 years going round in circles. They could have walked across the wilderness in about a week. Two things summing up that the wilderness does, that God uses wilderness times in us. And again, please, for those of you who are in this wilderness because of pain, I just can only pray in grace that you will not hear me saying, look for some kind of silver lining to your cloud. I hope in grace you will hear something about the reality of how God takes us by the hand and leads us out of the most horrible of times. I'm not saying you're in the wilderness because you've done something wrong. That can be the case, it has for me in the past. But I'm not laying that on others here today. Two things, the wilderness exposes what is inside these chests of ours, like Little House does. Scott Hubbard again. The wilderness exposes what's inside these chests of ours like little else does. And the wilderness can cultivate in us, he says, that quality so beneficial to living faith, desperation. Again, a lesson I've brought back from my trips to Africa. Actually, we're blessed in a sense, if I can put it like this, to see it sometimes, aren't we, in our Alpha courses or at the front of our celebrations, 
We're desperate, God. There is no other answer but you. Final slide. God intervenes in the wilderness. Do you need to go to the wilderness? Do you need to take yourself there? Do you need to recognize that that's, this is really where you are, the wilderness? Do you need to go to the wilderness for refuge? That's a theme in scripture. Do you deliberately, because of all the stuff, because of the doing that is obscuring the being. God intervenes in the wilderness. It is a place of hope. Isaiah 40. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the people shall see together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. You may be, I may be, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness so that he can fill us with his power and do his inside-out transforming work. He does the work. If we have that sense of need, reliance, desperation. If you're able to, would you stand, please? So we have, uh, we have the gift of Lent as a season. And we have the gift of time now before children need to be collected. So may I just pray that simple ancient prayer. And then we're going to wait. And I really hope that we will have some silence and stillness to, to really hear God's voice. Perhaps the still, small voice that, that voice that spoke to Elijah in the wilderness. So Holy Spirit, God, would you come?
I just have a sense as we're praying that God says nothing is wasted. No tear, no amounts of pain, nothing is wasted in his economy. And it will be used for the greatness of God and for the strength of you to be the man or the woman that he's created you to be. Nothing is wasted. I just speak Holy Spirit. Um, I speak Holy Spirit ar- around the struggle that there is in in this room, the uh, literally the tug of war that is going on for some of us in this room. And I declare the goodness of God and the love of God. And I pray, Jesus, in your precious name that people will will receive from you. Be filled with your power. Be released in Jesus' name from fighting the battle in your own strength. To be released from any sense of guilt, any sense of shame and in this moment to receive the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to come into you I pray in Jesus name for encounter with God now Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. I, I, I pray for those who are those who are who are searching for resolutions. I pray for those in Jesus' name who are saying, God, I do need this. I do need to rely on you for this. I pray in Jesus' name that that God, Holy Spirit, would come now. Give you a sense of his strength. To show to you what needs to be done, if that is his will, or to simply tell you it is okay to not know, but to take his hand. moment or two when we can
perhaps pray for one another, pray for one or two people. Why don't you just come down to the front? If the Lord's particularly speaking to you, wilderness is a difficult place or or actually is a good place, is a place for encounter or you just have a sense of you want to strip away, you want to make some resolution, any of the things that I've been sharing, God speak. Why don't you just come to the front now and someone from our church family will come and pray with you. Here's a moment, here's a moment at the beginning of this Lent period when we can have a deliberate setting of asideness saying here I am God I want you, I need you why don't you come forward now, thank you just come forward and some of the church family will come and pray I think there's a few people who feel the tug of war Please don't try and pull on the rope in your own strength. Please let God come and use his power. If you feel a tug of war over your heart, over your life, relationships, anything, work, why don't you come and just ask God to be your power and your strength?